Again, we're in uh, Luke 19.45 as Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold therein. And as we looked at these things in our previous lesson in Luke uh, 19.41-44, Jesus beheld the city Jerusalem and wept over it. You know, the temple would have played a large part in that. It would have been a central point for the declaration of the gospel. It would have been the central focal point of life in Jerusalem was the temple and the center of religion, the center of all Jewish life was revolved around the temple and all the things that went on there. And we were talking this morning about uh, if you didn't uh, adhere to the traditions of the elders and the rules and all the things that went on with all the the religious, the law, uh, you'd be ostracized out of society and you couldn't buy or sell. They wouldn't have anything to do with you. <clears throat> so life would be become very difficult in Jerusalem for you or any city that was controlled by the Jews if you didn't play by their rules. So uh, <clears throat> a serious business there. And, and what should have been the great central point for the declaration of the gospel, the, the work of Christ to reconcile the people of God and and restoring peace with God through Christ, it it wasn't doing that, and it wasn't fulfilling that. And uh, <clears throat> you know, Hebrews eight five said that those things, uh, speaking of the priests who made these offerings and sacrifices according to the law, they were uh, examples and shadows of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, it says in Hebrews 8, 5. For see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern shown thee in the mount. Well, the pattern wasn't just to say, okay, it's 5 by 6 by 13, and it's going to have this decoration and that decoration. The pattern was Christ. The pattern was what Christ would do for his people in redeeming them from their sins. The pattern was the Lord. And, And those things should have shouted those things out then the people that were in charge there of the religious things that they should have been declaring that these are here's what this represents here's what this altar represents here's what this sacrifice represents uh, you, you know when we have when we observe the lord's supper norman says here's what this bread represents this is what jesus said this bread represents my body broken for you and this cup this cup is my blood shed uh, for for your sins and and he explains those things and that's what they should have been doing in the temple but of course they weren't doing that they were just saying okay we have done this we have dotted this i we have crossed this t we performed this act now we're going to perform that act and and you're all okay based on that. And <clears throat> But, you know, the Lord said in, uh, in our last lesson in, in Luke 19.42, He said, If thou had known, <clears throat> even thou, at least in this thy day, the very day where He was standing right there in their midst, if thou had known in, in this thy day the things which belong unto thy peace but now they're hid from thine eyes. You know, this peace is almost universally misunderstood. People, especially this time of year, 
peace on earth, goodwill to men. And, and they've transferred that meaning into peace between sinners, <laughs> peace between men, everyone in agreement, peace about everything except peace with God. That's, that's the part that's left out. It just means we should just all get along and sing Kumbaya and, and have a good time and not rustle any feathers and just what, whatever, whatever you believe is fine, whatever I believe is fine, and we just all get together and, and clap hands. and, and it, it's just That's not what that is about. Peace with God means that there was something that caused there not to be peace with God. <laughs> And that something was sin. And the things in our text there, the, if thou had known in this thy day the things which belong to thy peace, the things refer to peace between sinners and a righteous and holy God. And the only things that can ever bring peace between anyone and God are the blood and righteousness of Christ. Those are the things. If, if you had known the things which belong unto thy peace... It's not good works. It's not universal application of of religious monkey business. It's the blood and righteousness of Christ. The Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world, it says in Revelation 13.8. And, you know, I just was taking uh, uh, this... He's speaking these things and he's going in the temple and he's teaching and and in Romans the tenth chapter in verse fifteen uh, Paul's quoting uh, the Old Testament there and in Isaiah and he says How shall they preach except they be sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. And that's what, that's what we're talking about here. He said, if thou had known the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they're hid, <clears throat> how beautiful the feet of them that actually preach the gospel of peace. That what's required for that? <clears throat> and bring glad tidings of good things you know, our enmity against God is quite the opposite of peace. And, and, and that enmity that we had against Him was slain, was nailed to the cross, it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 16, that He might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. <clears throat> and we'll look at that verse a little more closely here a little later in the lesson. All the things which belong to thy peace, He said, how oft would I have brought you this how oft would I have gathered you together as a hen gathers her chicks but you would not you'd rather stick with your here's your list of stuff to do here's your here's the law here's your your works for salvation and continuing in relation to our text we must always be mindful of the sovereign purposes of God Almighty in all that transpires in this world and in the world to come. In it, we read it last time in Acts 4.26, the kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ. And those things are transpiring as we see the scripture in Luke 19. The people had just got through cheering hosannas to Him and 
And blessed be the he that cometh in the name of the Lord, the King, <clears throat> and all that. And Acts four twenty seven for against for truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod Herod Antipas, <clears throat> the the very one that had spent years and years bringing this temple up to show standard for his own grandeur, both. Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. The actions of the people and the rulers seemed on the surface to be the very antithesis of peace with God. <laughs> they they were doing the very opposite of the thing that he was there for and and yet they were the very things that God used to cause peace between his church and himself through the death and sacrifice of his only begotten son in their stead. Isn't that, isn't that you know, the Lord's always saying, my ways are not your ways, and, and, and the very things that you, how you would do things is not how I would do them. And, and he often uses the exact opposite of what we would conjure up in our mortal minds <laughs> To, to present himself to us. and So, <clears throat> without the stabilizing effect of the new birth, many of the people here that we read about in Luke, one minute they're shouting hosannas to Christ, the, the Messiah, the King, and the next minute they're shouting, crucify him, crucify him. They're just, and that's the way it is with religion. One minute you're up, one minute everything's fine. One minute, oh, I just feel real religious and I'm good. The next minute, things are not so good. And you're saying, eh, eh, eh. <laughs> and, and that's how they are. And You know, Herod <clears throat> Antipas spent 46 years upgrading and decorating the temple to make it this show place to reflect his own grandeur. And, <clears throat> and Josephus said that the, the gold and silver plating was prolific. Everything was made to look shiny. Just like religion is just made to look appealing to men. Oh, how important this is. Oh, how important that is. And if we decorate this up, it looks like it looks real religious. It looks real spiffy. And, and it caused people to look at it with, my, my, how wonderful. And all the time, the Lord was right in front of him. And unless a man be born again, he can't see the kingdom of God that is much greater, much more grand than anything that they could the disciples says, later on they come up to you and say, look at this temple. Isn't this just grand? Look at it. It's, it's tremendous. It's, it's wonderful. And he says, you know, not going to be long before it's tore down. Not one stone's going to be left upon another. <clears throat> the temple was a type and a shadow like the Passover and like the Passover it wasn't needed anymore because the Lord the true Passover was here the temple which should have been for the dispensing of the gospel was not needed because a greater than the temple was here and he would go in there every day the scriptures tell us and teach the people and preach to them the gospel in fact the very first sentence of Luke chapter 20 that he was daily in the temple teaching the 
people and preaching the gospel. That's what what he did. And uh, so he would spend his last few days daily in that temple declaring the gospel of himself. <laughs> and yet few could really grasp that. And, uh, all the elements that were in the temple which pointed to the advent of the Messiah, the place of the sacrifice, the veil, the ark, the mercy seat, the sacrifices, the Passover feast, all spoke of the very Christ who was in their midst. And and yet they, he, he was invisible to them, as, as it were. Hebrews 9.24 says, For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true. The, the temple was made with hands and it was figures of the true, but unto heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. <clears throat> so uh, the things that should have de- declared his work, what he was doing in the redemption of the church, were just physical things that they, they, they lacked any spiritual ap- uh, any spiritual understanding in those people that... I'm sure there were some born-again believers there, but uh, not many, as we we usually find the case. He says, not come to send peace, but a sword. I'm I'm not come for unity, but division. And the Bible is the gospel, especially the sovereignty of God, is such a divider. People, there's no ambiguity between grace believers and and people that are free will believers. they they just don't see things together and and uh, and have problems because of that. <clears throat> in in John chapter two verse nineteen through twenty one, Jesus answered and said to them, <clears throat> "Destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up." And the Jews said, "Forty and six years was this temple and building, and thou wilt rear it up in three days." Of course, they're speaking of what we just mentioned about. Uh, Herod uh, working on that temple and dressing it all up and but he spake of the temple of his body but you had to have eyes to see and ears to hear to grasp that <clears throat> both the Passover feast and the temple were corrupted with iniquity the Passover became a work for salvation and it was corrupted by substituting the sick, the lame, the halt in a vain attempt to fool God. You know, that was going on back in the old days that that Isaiah and the other prophets wrote about. Jeremiah, they all wrote about that. You bring the sick and the halt and the lame and the the Lord says, take those to the governor and see if he'd be satisfied with them. (laughs) I guarantee you that he would not be. And But as long as you brought something and sort of did what was prescribed in the law, then you were, you were okay. And so this Passover became a, a, a work for salvation and corrupted by these various uh, things they did in an in attempt to pull the wool over God's eyes, kind of a, as it were. And instead of a picture of the most valuable Son of God, the, the true Passover, which was a lamb without spot, and salvation by Christ alone through the meritorious act of His 
sinless death on the cross in the place of the guilty, it just became a something you do. You know, in Daniel, we read the scripture a, a couple of lessons back in Daniel 9.26. <clears throat> Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. What a picture. Uh, I don't understand how people can can see that and then say that he needed to die for his own sins. How can that be? He's cut off, but not for himself. He didn't need to have anything be cut off for him. <clears throat> the temple was corrupted in the worship of God. The, the Gospel of Mark quotes Jesus' saying in Mark eleven seventeen, And he taught, saying unto them, Is it not written, My house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Spiritually, God had spoken this through Isaiah, declaring that the Lord would in the end, as always, determined by God, be, be triumphant. He's not going to be deterred by these activities of men that are corrupted and full of iniquity and against Him. And uh, let's, let's turn over to Isaiah chapter 56. It's only eight verses long, so we'll just read that. Thus saith the Lord, Keep ye judgment and do justice, for my salvation is near to come and my righteousness to be revealed. Boy, as we think about that, the Lord is looking down on Jerusalem. He's coming into the temple, teaching the gospel. Blessed is the man that doeth this and the son of man that layeth hold on it. You, it has to be laid hold on. And we can't do that. We've got no grip in our own mortal hands, in our own natural self. That keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it, and keepeth his hand from doing any evil. Well, we just heard the other night in our Wednesday night lesson the, from Hebrews that, that entering into the rest of Christ, we, a man ceases from his own works. That's that's what that Sabbath speaks to in Hebrews chapter the end of three and chapter four. <clears throat> that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it, not the fact that well, like Norm says, well that guy went out and picked up sticks and violated the law because he wasn't looking at the spiritual application of that Sabbath was to totally rest in Christ for all your salvation. Not do anything. You can't do anything without it resulting in death. You can't pollute the gospel even that much and have it still be effectual. <clears throat> You've got to keep from polluting it and keepeth his hand from doing any evil. You have to totally trust in the Lord for all your salvation. <clears throat> Neither let the son of the stranger that hath joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord hath utterly separated me from his people. Neither let the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. He's saying, that I'm going to bring people from every kindred, tongue, nation, tribe. For thus saith the Lord unto the eunuchs that keep my Sabbaths, and choose the things that please me, and take hold of my covenant. Even unto them will I give mine house, and within my walls a place, and a name better than the sons of daughters. And I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Also the sons of the strangers that join themselves to the Lord to serve him, 
and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants. Everyone that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it and taketh hold of my covenant, even to them will I bring to my holy mountain. He's going to bring those people that trust in the Lord to his holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. And those people he's speaking about are the Gentiles that we just read about previously here. And make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted on mine altar. Well, not the physical sacrifices, because by the blood and sacrifice of bulls and goats, no one's justified. But it's just a picture of the the Lord. But these people that brought a sacrifice of, even if they brought a physical sacrifice, there were believers, born again believers, that went and said, "I know." There's no efficacious value in this, but it's a picture of what you did for me. It's like the bread in the in the Lord's Supper. It's it's not efficacious within itself, but do this in remembrance of me. <clears throat> their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on mine altar, not the physical one, but in their hearts they're saying I, I know what you did for me and I believe that and this is just a picture. For my house shall be called and house of prayer for all people. The Lord which gathered the outcasts of Israel saith yet will I gather others to him besides those that are gathered unto him. <clears throat> and so we have that that block of scripture there from, from Isaiah and <clears throat> in relation to this uh, things that were going on in the in the temple get back to my notes here and the house of prayer for all nations that you know the temple was divided the temple um, I've got a a graphic handout here it's it's a representation, an artist's representation of the temple during Herod's day, and it's it's probably generally correct in overall, but you know who can? It's it's drawn from somebody's interpretation of things that are written in the time, and <clears throat> so you can kind of look at it. But there are some things that I wanted to point out that are recorded in the scripture and in. In, from Josephus's history of the Jews, <clears throat> I don't know if you you probably can't see that, but I tried. <laughs> this this temple was divided; it was partitioned. <clears throat> by the Jews with the design of preventing the Gentile participation. They didn't like the Gentiles. They didn't even like the Samaritans who were sort of part Gentiles and part Jews. They didn't like... <clears throat> and they only tolerated the Gentiles that were proselytes and they only tolerated them a little bit. The outer court, <clears throat> as we look as you went in the gate of the temple here, this outer part here, and you... You can see it's called the Court of the Gentiles. <clears throat> and 
you could go in there if you were a Gentile. And <clears throat> the court of the Gentiles was as far, though, as a non-Jew could go. That's as far as you could go. There was a barricade wall, and it's depicted in this dividing the court of the Gentiles from the upper part of the temple. <clears throat> it was about three meters high, and Josephus said there were signs hanged on that periodically that said Gentiles cannot pass further up, up, except on a pain of death. <laughs> and But they didn't elaborate on who the death was going to come from, whether it was going to be struck down by the Lord or stoned by the Jews or whatever. But they did have signs there, he said, that said Gentiles can go no further. And and. That's, that wall separated the court of the Gentiles from the next court, which was the women's court. <clears throat> and then right adjacent to that was the court of the Jews, or the court of the Israelites. And uh, you, just, you just couldn't go there if you were a, a Gentile. And Paul, Paul records being arrested for that in Acts 21. If you turn over to Acts 21... In verse uh, 27, And when the seven days were almost ended, Acts 21-27, the Jews which were of Asia, when they saw him, that be Paul, in the temple, stirred up all the people and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, help! This is the man that teacheth all men everywhere against the people and the law and this place and further brought Greeks also into the temple and have polluted this this holy place. So they arrested him and beat him up and took him to court. And and while Paul was there, you know what he did? <laughs> I probably would have just said, let him suffer. <laughs> he, he preached the gospel to them. After his arrest and beating, he seized the opportunity to preach to them the gospel and declared how the Lord had saved him on his way to Damascus to harm the church, which again Norm brought out here in his uh, the Wednesday night message and <clears throat> from Zechariah 14 and how the Lord turned one from a life and path of destruction against his people to one of his greatest messengers. And then in Ephesians chapter 2, the Paul, the Apostle Paul wrote uh, about this wall of partition. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, he's writing to these Ephesians. He says, Wherefore, remember that you, being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, <clears throat> who are called uncircumcision, that's just a Jewish word for heathens, the barbarian race, the uh, anybody that was not a Jew, <clears throat> by that which is called the circumcision, and that be the Jews, in the flesh, made by hands, it, it just means that you know religion in the in religion of the flesh profiteth nothing. Religion of the flesh profiteth nothing. That at the time. <clears throat> You were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise having no hope and without God in the world 
But now in Christ Jesus, you who were sometimes far off were made nigh by the blood of Christ. For He is our peace. Remember back in our text verse uh, from, from Luke. If, if thou had known the things concerning thy peace. He is our peace. Not a what, but He. Remember our text. <clears throat> the things which belong to thy peace. For He is our peace who hath made both one. That be Christ. Made both one, that be the Jews and the Gentiles, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, the enmity between Jews and Gentiles, and the enmity between all of them and God. Even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. He's the Savior of everyone. He's the Savior of the Jews. He's the Savior of the Gentiles. People from every kindred, tongue, nation, tribe. There'll be a remnant made up of those people from from everywhere. And he came and preached peace unto you which were far off, and to them that were nigh, isn't that what he's doing right in the temple? He's preaching the peace, the reconciliation of God by the sacrifice of himself, preaching that gospel. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord. You know, each Jew and each Gentile that's a born-again believer makes up an intricate part of that, and they're all fitly formed together as suits the Lord. And he he speaks to that pretty distinctly in in other uh, epistles that we have, and we don't have time to delve into that today, but he says they all fit fitly framed together. They all, you watch those shows where those guys take and they notch out a, uh, they're building a timber frame house and they make a notch and then they cut a piece of timber that fits in that notch and that holds up all the rafters. It just fits perfect. And it's just solid when they get it done. He says, in whom ye also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. We're fitly framed together into a holy temple unto the Lord, in whom you also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. Again, there's a spiritual application here that applies to the temple that was not, uh, the physical temple was not cutting it as far as declaring all this. The court of the Gentiles was lower than the rest of the courts which pertained to the Jews. There was 14 steps up to the next level. 14 steps up. That's kind of a picture of the, the how the Jews viewed the Gentiles. I'm glad I'm not like other men. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not like you Gentiles or even this publican. <clears throat> Four, 14 steps up. We have the court of the women, the court of Israel that could only be accessed by male Jews purified And then the final court that was accessible only by the priests and then the holiest of holy, which could only be entered once a year by the high priest. Uh, And so this 
court of the Gentiles that was had become customary for that to be profitable to do business in. And this temple, the court of the Gentiles, as far as the Gentiles could go in the temple, the the where all this activity took place, the selling of doves and the selling of cattle and <clears throat> buying and uh, we'll look here at a couple of the Gospels that record the many business enterprises which were engaged in inside the court of the Gentiles. Luke Luke records them that bought and sold. He ran them out that bought and sold. And Mark and Matthew records <clears throat> them that bought and sold the money changers and them that sold doves. And these were all elements that were necessary to per- participate in the required feasts that the Jews were required to come to three times a year. And John records them that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting. Can you imagine? I was telling Norm this morning. Can you imagine someone comes to our building, never been here before, said, Sovereign Grace Baptist Church. I'd like to go and hear the gospel. And they come in the front door and they come into our foyer. And here's all of the members sitting there at little tables. And this one's selling religious merchandise and, and crosses and candles and images of the Last Supper, maybe a portrait of Jesus and prayer claws and widow's mites and specialty Bibles with our name blazing prominently in the lower corner. And the list is endless. Can you imagine what that person would think? They walk in here to hear the, the gospel and they say, oh, they're selling stuff. <laughs> Okay, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm turning around. Well, the Jews couldn't leave because if they left, they would not be participating in the in the law and things that were controlled their very lives, and they would be ostracized and cast out. And and uh, like uh, Norm brought out that blind man that was healed, and and they his parents threw him under the bus. So I don't know how he can see. Ask him and and. He said, well, I don't know how, but I know one thing, where before I was blind, now I can see. And so they, they cast him out and wouldn't have anything to do with him. Couldn't buy, couldn't sell. Nobody, everybody would shun him. It was awful. So what kind of message does that send to the people of God? And, and this, the, the message that it would send here is the same message it sent then. And religious things were just nothing more than a money-making scam in most cases. And and in the temple, it was just much more egregious because it was the temple that should have been declaring the gospel. And that's true of any assembly where people are gathered together. <clears throat> and when they put things that take away from that or they put things that that change that or falsify it, then... It's the same egregious behavior now as it was then. Jesus called it a den of thieves. Now, <clears throat> that kind of implies that everyone that was in there was guilty of malfeasance and not just a few bad apples uh, messing up the show. You know, if we found a, a den of wolves, if we were out tromping around Hepner area and we came across a den of wolves, what would we expect to find in that den? Wolves. <laughs> and whatever they were dining on <laughs> that was dead. <laughs> and we could be certain that they were all wolves 
anything else would be being eaten. And Matthew 7.15 says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. <clears throat> These people were a den of thieves. They were all in cahoots. They were all involved in it. Each one played off the other one. <clears throat> they were all a consortium of of egregious thieves. <clears throat> and Josephus noted that uh, changers of money exacted a fee <clears throat> which would amount to about 12.5% by our standards, interest or, or a transaction fee. Like if you, if you if you come into the United States with Canadian money and take it to the bank, they, they'll change it for you, but they're only going to give you the value of it in in the whatever the exchange rate is. <clears throat> and if you're not a customer of the bank, they're probably going to charge you a fee for swapping that money out. Well, that's what these guys did. The, the, the Jews said, the temple does not recognize any money but Jewish money. Shekels and mites and Jewish denominations. So if you come here with a drachma or a dinar or something, you have to exchange that before you can make an offering or cast it in the box of your uh, tribe. We don't take laundry tokens or monopoly money or whatever. <clears throat> and so you could exchange the coinage from your native country for shekels for a 12.5% fee. And where else are you going to go? Remember, at this time of this Passover, there's like 3 million Jews. There's probably a line waiting to get in here for them people to take care of their business. It's like Disneyland. You don't want to go to the end of the line, or the endless line. So if you couldn't transact your business, you had to go get behind 3 million other Jews that were wanting to get in there and make their sacrifice and do their, their annual three times a year business. <clears throat> and... Doves, which would be sold for about two pence outside the city, were sold for 20 pence in the temple, is what Josephus said. <laughs> what a racket. If you brought your own animal for sacrifice, it would be deemed, well, you know, that's unsatisfactory. It's got a blemish here, or this feather is the wrong color, or this hair is not, the hair on your heifer is the wrong color, or, oh, look at there's a little blemish on your lamb. We can't take it. However, we could take it off your hands for a couple of shekels of temple bucks. And out of the goodness of our heart, and then we could sell you a priest-approved model from Ahmed over here, <laughs> or Ishmael. We could sell you one of his sheep that's uh, already been pre-approved by the priesthood and ready to go <clears throat> and for a modest fee. And if you don't have temple bucks, well, as luck would have it, we can take care of that for 12.5%. So what a racket. What a racket. The places where the gospel should have been declared and hosannas to the king shouted are completely corrupted. And places where prayers for atonement should be made are tuned in, turned into say this can prayer. The TV is just rife with it right now of uh, all these fake preachers that come on TV and say, all you have to do is just say 
repeat this prayer after me and then call. Here's an 800 number that you can call and I'll send you this Bible with my name down here in the corner and a self-addressed stamped envelope for you to put your check in or you can do it by visa. It's awful. Say this prayer, perform this activity, send your monthly contributions to the following address. Well, that temple lost whatever value it had as a type in a shadow due to corruption. You know, it's like that that Ethiopian eunuch that went to Jerusalem for to worship. He was drawn of God to go to this house, this temple, and when he got there, he got nothing. He went away saying, I don't know what this is talking about. But you know, he was drawn of God to go there, and he was drawn of God to actually hear the gospel because God presented a guy to him to take care of that. And he said, what are you reading? And he says, well, it says here, is this man talking about himself or some other? And he says, let me see that. And he took that scripture and preached unto him Jesus. That was all determined by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. So uh, we're out of time here. Uh, You can read a little bit more about the temple in uh, Revelation 21.10. Boy, what a beautiful picture. Carried me away in the spirit to a great mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, having the glory of God and her light was like a stone most precious, without spot or without wrinkle. How beautiful the feet of them that bring the gospel tidings of good news. Unto you that believe, he is precious. So we'll stop there, and <clears throat> we have, maybe we'll catch up the, the very end of this next time about the, the oneness of the church in in presenting the temple. So till then, next time, uh, be free.